All right, everyone, school is now in session. I'm your host, Rob Thornmeyer, and this episode of Four Songs is an educational masterclass. Our teacher today is Dom Flemons, the incredibly talented and versatile singer, multi-instrumentalist, historian, songwriter, curator, Grammy winner. I mean, I could go on and on, but you get the point. As a musician, Dom can do it all. He can literally play and just bend anything with strings, plus a few things without strings, too. And his voice is just as comfortable singing a pre-World War II blues song as he is bringing together beats that would feel at home on an early 80s New York hip-hop album. And he's passionate. He's passionate about music, history, and about ensuring that the complete story of American folk music is understood and recognized. And this history would not be accurate without celebrating the black musicians whose contributions have been stolen and ignored for generations. Until now, that is. For you see, Dom is a musical encyclopedia. He dropped so many names in this interview that it left my head spinning, just as it left me wondering how much I did not know about the real history of American music. And did I mention he won a Grammy? That's right, as a founding member of the groundbreaking African-American string band, the Carolina Chocolate Drops, Flemons and his bandmates won a Grammy for the Best Traditional Folk Album in 2010 for their album Genuine Negro Jig. The Chocolate Drops are also famous for launching the career of Rhiannon Giddens, one of this country's, and indeed the world's, most singularly talented singers of the last 20 or so years. But despite their success, Flemons left the Chocolate Drops in 2013 to mine the fields of black folk music even further on his own. His first project after leaving the band was an album called Prospect Hill. Released in 2014, Prospect Hill is a musical tour de force, covering decades of folk, jazz, blues, country, and even early hip-hop. After releasing another Grammy-nominated album in 2018 called Black Cowboys, Flemons reissued Prospect Hill in 2020, repackaging the original album with a separate CD featuring instrumentals, re-recorded traditionals, outtakes, and a series of beats and rhythms in a fresh new package. I spoke with Dom from his relatively new home in the Chicago area. We talked about four songs from the reissued Prospect Hill. Have I Stayed Away Too Long, Too Long I've Been Gone, Grotto Beat, and Milwaukee Blues. He told me about how his acquisition of a new banjo, nicknamed Big Head Joe, played a key role in the project's development. We also talked about his musical journey, and what led him as a self-described public library kid from Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to the North Carolina mountains, where he became an award-winning trailblazer, exploring and unearthing the oft-forgotten or ignored contributions of black musicians to American folk music. And he's nowhere near done. In addition to recording a song for the critically acclaimed movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Dom is still searching. As you'll be able to tell from our discussion, he is a voracious learner. He is as much student as he is teacher. So all you aspiring musicians and historians out there, get your notebooks. School is now in session. It is my honor to welcome your teacher, Dom Clemens, to Four Songs. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Great. Well, so this is a podcast about songs and songwriting, and you are known as the American songster. So uh, but, you know, the first question I've been asking everybody is, is, since I started this back in May, is how have you been doing with the pandemic? Oh, right. Have you been able to live stream and all that stuff? Uh, well, you know, a lot of the work has become live stream now, but I, I lost all of my gigs, which was one thing. 
but on the bright side of it, the, the shows that I did do were ones that I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Like in January, we got a chance to do the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering, and they had their very first year where the theme was Black Cowboys. And so it was sort of a nice four-year sort of trek I've gone on with the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. And so we got to have everything from Lead Belly's Hat to a lot of wonderful historical artifacts that were touched upon the idea of black cowboys. So I got a chance to do that. I also got a chance to record the the track Skit That Doodle Do, which is featured on the soundtrack to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So I got to do that literally right before. And then of course the repackaging of Prospect Hill, which is the main thing that we're gonna be talking about. I was glad that I was able to bring all of those cuts together in one package. Well, so I'm just curious and what led you down to this path of folk music again, you know, cause you, you're out from Phoenix and you came east, which is a little unusual. Most people, out, I'm, I'm born around here, so most people out here go west. So I was just kind of curious what led you down this path and you know, where do you see it kind of headed in the future? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up in the, the public library system. In the mid to late 90s, they started to really, they started to reinvigorate the public library. And so I got to see a lot of different documentary films and listen to a lot of CDs by being a part of the public library system because it was free. Now yeah. there were great record stores around uh, in Phoenix. One um, uh, Zia records was one in particular that I used to go to a lot. They had new and used CDs. And so I cut my teeth doing that. And when it came to performing around, I guess, 16 years old, I decided to start playing the guitar and harmonica. I'd heard the sound of Bob Dylan on, the history of rock and roll documentary. And so I just got interested in that idea of folk music, different styles of folk music, and then also busking on the streets. So that's where I started. And then in 2005, I, after I was finishing college, I decided to go out east and really try my hand at being a professional musician. Because before then, I'd just been a fan and a record collector who liked mm -hmm. to share the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, is that your Grammy up on the, the top there? Oh yeah, this one up here, yeah. yeah. It's right up there. The that was from yeah 2010 the, with the Carolina Chocolate Drops. And yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see now how your career has gone and just to see how, how successful it is. So it's it's you know because folk music you could say you know it's, it's kind of in the past, but you guys have really you in particular brought it out and pushing it forward now. So what does it mean just to see that when you get up in the morning and say I got a Grammy, but just beyond that, like to see it succeed and to really thrive now. Well, well, I'll mention just briefly with the Grammy. I was so pleased that we won it the first time because it's not uh, it's not every day that you get to win it right off the bat. So in right. terms of career, it really was a beautiful thing to have gotten the accolade very early on. I've gotten a nomination of one time with the group, and then I've gotten a nomination with Black Cowboys. So I, I'm still working to try to get that second <laughs> one, but I'm just so glad to have it have that there. And and for me when I first saw that there was a need for a curriculum for black Americana artists, Americana music, or the diversifying of what, how people defined country or blues or jazz or folk at that time, I found a lot of like-minded people who saw that there needed to be an updating of this history. And so I was one of many people who made it their mission. And, and for me, I was able to get a platform through the Caroline Chocolate Drops and then as a solo performer to be able to perform the old time songs and the old time styles. And there's just a joy that people find in hearing the old time songs played in the old time ways with old time instruments as well. It seems a little meticulous at times, 
but in the live performance setting, it can change everything. But of course, we're talking about a record, Prospect Hill, so there's a, I have to figure out a way to translate all the things I know into a record, and I did that on every single track in one way or another on that yeah. release. I'm wondering, if before we get to Prospect Hill, I've been fortunate and frankly blessed to work with a number of my, one of my bosses, she's African-American, and she's always talked about, so the phrase she uses, you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And I wonder from your perspective, do you see, I mean, not an obligation, but just that you talk about the Grammy and just being seen and getting the music out there in front of more people. So more will come behind you and follow in your, what you're working on. Well, one of the things that I always like to think about when discussing any of these subjects is to know that when uh, you make an appearance and you're the first, there's a power in that alone the obligation i have is that if someone decides to follow on anything that i decide to do at least i will hopefully bring the most factual and most generally positive narrative that i can pull because as a musician it's really about uplifting people's minds and their hearts and allowing them to make their choices on how they decide to interpret history or music or what have you but for me, I've always tried to make sure that I come from a place where I, as a person, could speak to you as a person one-to-one, -one, and all my music, in some ways, has to relate in the same type of way. Whether it's a funny song, like, but they got it fixed right on, which is a really silly song, or if a, a song like I Can't Do It Anymore, which is one about heartbreak. And, you know, I always try to find the universal messages when I'm getting out there. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, so we'll talk about... Prospect Hill, the American songster omnibus. So this album actually first came out, you mentioned in 2014, but you released it a year ago with a number of new tracks and new parts of it. So in fact, you had the original CD release and then there was the What Got Over and then the third part of the Drum Major Instinct. So what was what led you to during, I guess going back to the original album, was what kind of led up to that one? And then if you can talk about the extended version as well. Sure thing. Well, 2014 was the first year I, I decided to break away from the Carolina Chocolate Drops, and I wasn't quite sure exactly how I should approach the record, if I should go in a very traditional manner as a solo performer, which I had done in all of my solo albums up to that point, and with Prospect 2 being the third one. Uh, or uh, the other choice was to go with a band and try to figure out how to find a sound within a, a larger ensemble. And so I decided with the Prospect Hill album to, to find an, a larger ensemble. And I used two different methods. One, uh, a traditional band with uh, Ben Hunter and Joe Siemens, and, as well as Guy Davis, the, the blues maestro. And, uh, and we had that as one single group. And then there was a second group that featured a lot of wonderful jazz musicians, Kobe Watkins, uh, Ron Brendel, and uh, Keith Gans. And then uh, I had Brian Horton on the saxophone come in later. And so using those two bands, I wanted to just explore all of the major parts of my repertoire, whether they were original or whether they were traditional songs. And so in doing that, it allowed the, the first album to have a really diverse sound that was something mm -hmm. a lot bigger than I had, I had previously recorded on my records. And what got over came from an idea I had of using the small beats that I used for tracks like Grotto Beat, which we'll okay. speak about later. And I, I extended the beats out to be um, the, the backbone of what got over. Yeah, I mean, that's a breathtaking album. I mean, there's just so many different influences. I mean, I, you cover, I feel like, a century or more 
of sounds in history. And we're talking about four in particular, because otherwise we'd be here all day. <laughs> we'll be hitting Have I Stayed Away Too Long, uh, two traditional songs. I guess I'll call them traditional, but you can correct me. Uh, that and Milwaukee Blues, followed by mm-hmm. two originals, Too Long I've Been Gone and Grotto Beat. Actually, we're going to go in chronology of the album, how they were laid out. But first, just how many instruments do you play? Well, I got about 12 in my repertoire that I wow. keep on me. You know, I, it's the, let's say we got the guitar, the four, five, and six string banjos, and the harmonica, the quills, the rhythm bones. And then also I got a Cajun accordion that I try to mess with, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't hold me to it. Um, I can play a bit of the piano and the organ. Yeah, or and also the jaw harp. I, I played that oh. one as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. Between the time I did Prospect Hill and What Got Over, I had acquired Big Head Joe. And Big Head Joe, the subgiant six-string banjo, is sort of this very interesting one-of-a-kind instrument that I've, I've featured on quite a few of my records since. But when I first did Prospect Hill, I did not have Big Head Joe. And actually, Big Head Joe has a feature on Milwaukee Blues, and that was one of the things why I sequenced it like that, so that that particular instrument could be showcased in, a, in an old-time setting, because I think it would have been presented more in a jazz setting, um, as, as it seems like it would have been played. So we'll start with Have I Said Away Too Long? This was an older song by Frank Lesser. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah, Frank, Frank Lesser and... He was a, a Broadway songwriter who had a stint in, in writing uh, some country and western songs, and so this was this was a, a big hit during the country metro- metropolitan area, the country countrypolitan sound of Nashville. I heard a version on in our Hooli record, uh, Blind James Campbell and his Nashville washboard band. And when I heard this song, "Have I Stayed Away Too Long?" I was really drawn to that lyric, especially the the last verse, "Have all my dreams gone wrong? My beautiful dream has gone wrong." I just Loved the way that 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 song was put together. When I decided to interpret it myself, I kind of wanted to take a sort of hot two-step style. That was kind of like Hank Williams or Lefty Frizzell or some of the the big strummers yeah. of, the, of the country music era. And when we recorded it, Jason Richmond, I think he, t- he tuned the snare drum really high up so it got that real tinny sound. <laughs> and... Um, it felt good at first, but I wanted to get some saxophone on it just to get a little bit more of a rock and roll sound. And 
Brian Horton came in and I told him what I was looking for and he kind of gave it a little extra Tex-Mexy feel <laughs> on that saxophone. Of course, Keith Gans and he do a wonderful trading solos. And so when I was recording all these songs, I had very intricate chord charting that I had written myself of where I wanted the solos to be <laughs> and how I wanted the solos to fade in and out. And then working with Jason Richmond, we then made another series of of notes on how we wanted each track to play out. Because for me, at the time, I felt like a lot of records were very excessive with their arrangements or the way they were using instruments, you know, big blaring guitars or or just a lot of ambient sound to get you in or, yeah. a, or instrumental overtones to, to lead you in, you know. So it was, at that time, I really wanted to break away from that and kind of take a very minimalist sort of approach to how the music was hanging out. So we, we really nitpicked how the, the, um, the arrangement was going to fit. So we wanted the solo to be this long, and it just made it so that the record feels like it's flowing right by you. And it sounds like you had a lot of fun with it, the way your voice, I feel like you, you sang it, it just just comes alive, I think. Oh yeah, the key of C sharp is good for me in, in that <laughs> way. That's a good shouting key I've had for many years. It's just, it gives it that little, you know, especially with things like Hank Williams and Roy Cuff and right. some of the more uh, full-throated singers of country music. It's That's always something that that I've always liked to throw in there. If I stayed away too long If I stayed away too long Now if I came home tonight Would you still be my darling Oh, if I stayed away too long You mentioned that the next song is Too Long I've Been Gone, and which is a, I mean, this is a beautiful, gorgeous song, uh, really just stunning and just, it just takes you in. So just feel like there's also a lot of influences that come out of this one. So how did this, and this is an original, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So how did this one come to you as a, as a writer? Well, Too Long I've Been Gone was a song that came after I wrote this really abstract free verse poem. And it was in the notebook. It's like the poem is so almost and so nonsensical it's like ends, and usually what I do if I don't complete a page is I'll, I'll write a single line across, and then I'll start a new poem. And then under this very abstract poem, it was just so, I couldn't even tell you. It just was E.E. Uh, e. Cummings's type <laughs> of poem, you know? And right under this line, I wrote all the verses out to Too Long I've Been Gone. And originally I had five verses, but I then edited two of them out because I really wanted to, again, be very mindful of how many verses I was telling about this particular story. I've always been a fan of songs that are, are not happy, but aren't mm -hmm. necessarily sad either. Right. I've always really enjoyed trying to find that balance when, you, when you're thinking about uh, when you're hearing a song. Of course, um, I love to make a sly reference to playing the record, kind of like how Chuck Berry always makes references to playing a record in his songs. I did that with putting a record on of uh, Willie Nelson, Hello Walls, and so mm -hmm. I have a small reference in there. Oh, white walls and a worried mind, that's all I have, that's all. 
that's all And when I need someone to talk to I just say, hello wall Too long, too long One of the big influences I probably would say is somewhere between Tom Paxton and Gordon Lightfoot in, mm. in terms of tone, because that's a lot of what I first listened to when I first wanted to get into folk music and try to understand how to play the guitar. I used to play a lot of songs like in the early morning rain and all those sort of things. And I wanted to get a song that had that sort of feel that referenced back to my earliest style of music that, that defines me as a musician. Too Long I've Been Gone is an example of that. And then lyrically, I kind of wrote it about the traveling life in its own type of way. Again, trying to make it not a depressing song, but also not to make it a, a very happy song. It's, it's been really beautiful to see. Um, as over the years, I've had a lot of veterans tell me that they really enjoy the song as well. Okay. And the, sort of the, the isolation, and, and they tell me a little bit of their story about how the song helped them through. And then mm. it was be- it's a beautiful thing because I didn't necessarily write it for that, but it's, it's wonderful to see that the interpretation of of whatever artistic message you're putting out there can be applied and, and it can be universal, even in ways you would never expect. Yeah. So that's interesting. Cause that I, a lot of writers, like, cause I'm, I was, I was a history major. So my part of my problem is I used to always try to write songs, but you know, I'm so literal that I don't think I can write abstract. Everything is just, okay, this is a fact, but it's interesting that people can take so many different, meanings from one song that must mean a lot to you oh absolutely well you know even the idea like right when i first started writing it no don't need no cup of coffee in the morning don't need no cup of coffee in the morning i can get up fine i can get up fine delia is a pretty girl she ain't mine, but she ain't mine. Take a little trip to the station. I'm bound to go. I'm bound to go. When I'll see my love. But you know, I, I've I always try to think of uh, think of universal messages like that i you know i don't try to talk of, i don't try to think too hard about the artistic process that's part of how i keep myself from getting too literal when i'm writing i, I try to throw one line out and then see if i can catch the next line mm-hmm. all the way till it's finished and i try not to get too bogged down because sometimes the the details for each of your characters can get bogged down you know or, or narrators or what have you but yeah uh, too long i've been gone that was one that that really came out easily off the pen, but okay. it, was, it was after a very uh, interesting uh, writing session where I just went into all these, uh, all these other places with it. But then this beautiful little song. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you sing this song very differently than you sing you know, the first song we talked about. So the, what is it about the voice that you feel like makes a difference here too? Because it, it definitely has a, much, has a real tender sound. Oh yeah, well, this one is a song that it, it, it requires a little bit more of a, a, a lonesome touch. I have sort of two ways that I tend to approach songs, which is in, as in a melodic approach, or maybe a, sometimes can be a smaller speaking approach with a little melody. But then there are other songs that are, are built on the, the rhythmic attack that I can do. 
with the melody. And so Have I Stayed Away Too Long is definitely a song built on rhythmic attack. Have I Stayed Away Too Long? And then songs like Too Long I've Been Gone are ones that I was funny enough, I was going through my archives and I found the first recording I made of it. And I was doing a lot more not too long when I've been gone. Mm. You know, I may have to pull that back in at some point, but yeah. it was a curly cue sort of song from the get, get go. You'll find, you'll find. And when the world seems so far away, I've got nothing left except my mind. Too long, too long I've been gone Too long, too long I've been gone Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today, Dom. Uh, we got two more songs. So, of course, Grotto Beat, which is very different from what we've been talking about. And it's almost like a step show to me, it sounds like. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> well, Grotto Beat is funny in the way that, so as I was talking about before, there were these beats that I put together. And Grotto Beat was really the one that I wanted to do a full Mississippi fife and drum style track. Now, there's an album that I heard years ago called Traveling Through the Jungle, which features a lot of field recordings of um, David Evans and a lot of different blues scholars. And this style of uh, music is a derivation of the colonial style 1776 American military bands, but translated into the Mississippi Delta up into the 40s through the 60s, which is when it was mainly recorded, mostly by Alan Lomax mm -hmm. and uh, then later David Evans. It, it's this funky style of pre-blue. Marching like this. Dom Simmons is marching backwards up the mountain. That is the world famous Grotto Beat. And so at first, the track was only going to be this which is why on the reissue, I issued it without all the voices. But as we started to listen back, again, being wondering, should we go farther forward or should we keep it traditional? This was a moment we decided to go full on forward. And I came up with three different phrases, little mantras, which was, I'm going backward up the mountain, which was a notion for people that were feeling lost. Just go try to find, go backward up the mountain, go a different way if you're feeling lost. Another idea was if you can't come down, won't you bring us up? And if you can't come, if you won't come down, won't you bring us up? Which is a, just an idea of cultural equity. If, if you can't come on, help somebody. If, if you're up there, grab the person down there. If you're down there, help somebody up, you know, whatever it might mean. And then the other one was feel the beat, feel the beat, the grotto beat. Feel the beat, feel the beat, feel the beat, grotto. 
Can't you bring us up if you won't come down? Can't you bring us up if you won't come down? Can't you bring us up if you won't come down? Can't you bring us up if you won't come down? Can't you bring us up if you won't come down? Can't you bring us up? Feel the beat, feel the beat, feel the beat, grotto beat, feel the beat, feel the beat, feel the beat, grotto beat. And so it just ended up being this beautiful track. And and Guy Davis again, I Guy was his first acting job was as the lead character of Beach Street. And so whenever Guy gets into that mode of, of really early rap and hip hop, he knows how to get that vocal tone to fit it. So it, it kind of took on this, this extra quality after we started to bring in sort of a kid's game sound and then also a little bit of uh, Guy Davis's evocations. And then I'm sitting there on the fife just wailing away through the whole thing. And... But it was a it was really beautiful to see how all those ideas came together and that it sounded like an early rap record. It sounded yeah. like a Tommy it sounded like a seventies Tommy Boy Records mm. song, even though that was never the intention. So again, it kind of shows where all of these different types of music can uh, develop and grow. And that's always that's always been something I've tried to tell people is that if um you know, if you it, just like cooking, if you got the eggs and the flour, there's a chance that you can do something with that that someone else has done, or you know, maybe to make something new out of it. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the Living Color album, Times Up. Yeah, because it's they've got a couple of those snippet songs in there, like History Lesson or Tag Team Partners, and it's just it fits with the album because but it's you know most of their songs are pretty straight hard rock, but then they, you have these little snippets in there. And, and that just reminded me of that when I heard that. I was like, this takes me back, because that was early, you know, it was 1990. Yeah. And, oh, I never, see, I never made that connection. But again, this, this is what's so beautiful about it is that, you know, I've always, of course, cultural equity and, and sort of like cultural memory is always something that I try to reach out when I'm doing my records. And that's mm -hmm. awesome. See, like, I never would have made that connection. But now, now I'll have to go and sit back and, and, and think on that. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Dom, for your time. We got one more song, Milwaukee Blues, and you've had this one in your repertoire for a long time. I mean, the Chocolate Drops did it way back when. And so, what is what does the song stick with you? Well, I hadn't recorded a version of it by myself, and the Chocolate Drops we never actually recorded it on one of our albums. But it was a song that was a staple of the repertoire, and I actually learned it originally from a fellow by the name of Kenny Rohr who lives in Danville, Virginia, and he has a group called the, you know, you've, you've heard of Kenny. He's his grandfather's brother. So his uncle, Posey Rohr, who played fiddle for the original North Carolina Ramblers with the legendary Charlie Poole. Okay. And so I had a moment where a couple of different times where I've jammed with Kenny and I just got to learn the songs from him directly. And so Milwaukee Blues is one that I always reference because I just love the song, love the lyric, and also my connection to Kenny uh, over North Carolina, that, that prompted me to record it there. And so at first I recorded it on the four string banjo like I usually play it in my concerts. And I was trying to figure out how to uh, fill in the sound. But of course it, it, it dawned on me instantly that more banjo was necessary. And so I grabbed Big Head Joe. <laughs> this was a perfect way to showcase different parts of what Big Head Joe can do. One, two, one, two. Hey!
trying to get home, trying to get home. And because usually, see, when I play with someone like Kenny, I know the guitar parts really well for those North Carolina Ramblers songs, but I don't know the banjo parts quite as well. So I, you know, I do my four string version of it. And then I was able to play some of those beautiful guitar parts on Big Head Joe and, and be able to get some of those interesting syncopations that are so definitive of the North Carolina Ramblers sound. So I wanted to get that happening. And then, you know, I just decided I was going to take all the stops out since no one else has an instrument like Big Head Joe. <laughs> uh, it, it just served to, to be a perfect way to lead into Big Head Joe being introduced. So kind of every track sort of leads to another one, especially with something like Milwaukee Blues, because Milwaukee Blues also has a, a fantastic lyric, and it yeah. also has a, a very beautiful history with Casey Jones and Jay Gould's daughter and all these very early folk songs. And so also I was drawn to it for that reason too, where, yeah, you just have this sort of interesting connection between Georgia and Milwaukee and and uh, just that what the, what you could do on the train lines or what you could yeah. do on the train lines. <laughs> Went down to Georgia on a tram. The roads get muddy and the leaves get damp. Gotta get the freight train to leave this town. Cause ain't allowed to hold bulls hanging around, hanging around. Just hanging around. Allowed to hold bulls hanging around. I've always enjoyed old time songs because of a lot of the interesting details you find like like he got no money but upon my shoes i left atlanta one tuesday four day the brakeman said you'll have to pay got no money but upon my shoes i'm going out west i got the milwaukee blues milwaukee blues just milwaukee blues going out west i got the milwaukee blues oh yes 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 You know, he, he pawned his shoes and the man's barefoot on this train. I mean, things like that are are, are classic. Uh, old Bill said that before he died, there's two old roads he'd like to ride. Old Bill, what the, can they be? The Southern Pacific and the Santa Fe. Old Bill said that before he died, two old roads he'd like to ride. Old Bill, what can they be? It's the Southern Pacific and the Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Yes, Santa Fe. It's Southern Pacific and the Santa Fe. I've toured and traveled that that specific line before. Hmm. And so even for place names and place markers, those are all very interesting things to me as well, especially if I've been to a place. And so I've traveled all those different lines that he's referencing in that song too. So just without Charlie Poole on, the, on my mind, but it's also a really neat song, sort of like an action hero song for a, for a hobo or something, yeah. you know, and, and that's a, a great way for, you know, for people to be led to the music of Charlie Poole. I was curious if also, because you know, you're a songwriter yourself, how much of these songs influence you in your own writing going forward? Oh, these songs have all, these songs have all been influential in one way or another. I mean, just everything from the details, the chord changes, the, and just the vocabulary. I was always drawn to the old time music vocabulary. I thought that there was such a, a beautiful sound that could be made with the open tones that people sang. And also, uh, you know, there's less, he loves me, I love her. And, mm -hmm. and there's a little less spoon and moon in June, which makes me sound like an old person because <laughs> that's, that's what they said back then during the revival. But, Again, I'm starting to see popular music is starting to get a little bit 
you know, sort of spoon and moon and June, but with different words in a certain way. And so, like, I just think that the repertoire and the vocabulary have always been influential on me. Like when I have the song Till the Seas Run Dry, yeah, using the apostrophe T-I-L, Till the Seas is an old type of, old type of phrase. And, and again, being a literary scholar, I'm also drawn into – uh, doing what Shakespeare tried to do, you know, trying to at least reach what, into what Shakespeare did, making new ways of saying phrases, forming new words. And also, as, because as an American performer in the 21st century, I think there's just, there's just a lot of room. And, and I think there's a wonderful opportunity to try to be able to reinterpret and to re-envision the way that we see ourselves going into the future. So with my my work i've always tried to be at least conscious at least a little bit just to try to make that happen for for me and you know but I, i've always tried to just give breadcrumbs just like some of the older performers i've always really admired have always done they all the greatest performers of all time always leave some breadcrumbs of where they came from you know and i've i just try my best to to do that for my story and so what's the best way for fans right now to support you has a time when you can't go on tour, but obviously you're still releasing music and you have a live stream. So what's the best way for people to support you? Well, I'd say go to my website, theamericansongster.com. That's all as one word, theamericansongster.com. And uh, if you feel like giving a contribution, we have our the links up there as well. But uh, we have just, for the first time in my career, I've launched an official online store. So you can get my material, my CDs, I have two uh, DVDs with Stefan Grossman's Guitar Workshop as well that you can find. And, and there are T-shirts from a, a wonderful photo from my old friend R. Crumb. So you can find that all on, on the website. And, and that's usually up to date with most of my more recent adventures. So that's, that'd be the best way to catch me. Okay. Uh, but you can, always, you can always catch me on the interwebs of uh, wherever that might be, wherever yeah. time and space allows us to meet. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I greatly appreciate your time today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I got to tell you, that was a fun interview. I've done lots of these so far, and I've enjoyed every single one of them. But I don't think I've learned as much as I have in talking to Dom Flemons. So thank you again, Dom, for your time. Go check him out at theamericansongster.com. Get his CDs, download whatever you can, go get some merch. I hope that you all enjoy this one. Stay tuned. We got some really cool stuff coming. I got a really cool event coming up in a few months, so stay tuned for that. I can't give away the details, but it's going to be really cool when it happens. So stay tuned, and I'll talk to you all soon.